1: Welcome to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals. I am your host, Tony Merkel. Thank you for being here. If you've had an encounter or a story you'd like to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. That's theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the contact section, and you can reach me that way as well. And if you want extra shows every week, if you love The Confessionals and you want to hear another show every week, Go to the confessionalspodcast.com and sign up to become a member because members get an extra show every Thursday on the website. So go to the confessionalspodcast.com if that interests you. Now, today we got Joe coming on the show, and Joe has a lot of different experiences she wants to share with us anything from paranormal to UFOs to even seeing a gargoyle like creature that we opened the show up with. It's a great interview, a great conversation with Joe. You're in for a treat. But after we talk to Joe, we're actually going to hear some bonus content. Now, I usually don't tell you guys this. Usually, if I have something bonus, I want to throw in there, but it doesn't really fit. I put it in after the outro song. I let about two to five minutes go with dead air, nothing. And then all of a sudden, you start hearing some extra content. Well, today, I'm letting you know I am doing this because... It is a rant that I did on Instagram this past week. I didn't know I was going to go on a rant. It just kind of came out of me. But it's all about the Jeffrey Epstein stuff. And I'm very passionate about these topics, guys. And I wanted to play this audio for you because... I wanted to give you a heads up that next month, we are going to be doing a Jeffrey Epstein special episode. A lot of people have been asking for it, and I haven't done it yet because there's a lot of information to tackle, and I didn't find the right person to bring on. Well, I have found the right person so next month we are coming out with a jeffrey epstein special episode you're not going to want to miss and to give you a little taste of how i think about the matter you're going to hear this rant from instagram and by the way if you're not following us on instagram check us out follow the confessionals podcast on instagram so you don't miss any of these live videos i do a lot of live videos on instagram they're absolutely amazing they're terrific they're the best the very best ever okay it's not fake news it's sad that you aren't following the confessionals on instagram okay quite frankly you're stupid okay so go follow the instagram account the confessionals and you my friend will be great again okay all right let's get to joe how are you?
2: I'm okay.
1: (laughs) Great, great. So...
0: Come on, Joe. Sound a little bit more enthusiastic.
2: (laughs) It's just a weird question for me.
1: Well, it's fine. It's fine. So, um, you have lots of different experiences with paranormal type stuff. And uh, we're probably going to run with this in chronological order for the most part. But the very first story you're going to share actually happened in 2017. And uh, I'm asking you to share it first because I personally am just fascinated by it. And I just want to make sure we have enough time to get to it. So, uh, you at some point, saw a gargoyle-like figure or creature, and I think it sounded like it was in your home or something. So would you share that with
2: us? Sure. Um, So it appeared in my bedroom. I was asleep in my bed, which is situated in a corner next to a window, Um, and I had woken up from a dead sleep in the middle of the night. It's not a super uncommon experience that I wake up in the middle of the night, but it's not something that happens on the regular. So I wasn't super surprised when I woke up, but I did wonder what had woken me. So I, you know, you do that thing where you sit there for a minute, kind of trying to get your bearings, figure out, was it a noise? Is something happening? And I didn't didn't register anything. There was no sound. And the room was completely pitch black except for a glowing green light in the middle of the room, which at first didn't strike me as odd because I have a little glow-in-the-dark, like, decoration that hangs from the center of my ceiling fan, like where the the pull chains are. And at first I thought it was that. So I just sort of ignored it. And then I realized that if I was looking at that green light where it was, I must've been twisted around in bed. And that might've been why I was so disoriented. So I tried to you know, put my hand on the wall, put my hand on the bed, try to situate myself back to where I thought I was. And I realized that I wasn't in an odd position in my bed. I was where I thought I was and the light was in a weird spot. And that's kind of, you know, when the adrenaline kicked in and I realized something was very wrong. And I I checked my phone to see what time it was and I realized that it was hours after I went to bed. And glow-in-the-dark things, because it's just one of those plastic, it charges from light and then glows, you know, doodads. Those don't stay lit for that long. And they certainly don't glow that bright. And when I realized that and that it was in the wrong place, then I kind of started to panic because it wasn't what I thought it was. It wasn't where I thought it should be. And, you know, (laughs) panic. So I kind of looked up from the spot where the light I was and where I thought it should be. And that's when I kind of saw the outline of this thing behind it. And it was huge. Um, all the way up to the ceiling in the room, and granted, I don't have really tall ceilings. They're just the standard, what, seven or eight feet. But this thing, all the way up to the ceiling, and enormous around, like four or five times as big around as a human should be. And it was wearing this huge, heavy, dark, like, cloak with a hood. And where the green, glowy light thing was, was in a position that should have been where its hand would have been like if it was holding out its hand to hold up the light in front of it but there was no hand i could see the outline of the figure and i could see the cloak but it was like the hand itself that held the green glowy ball was invisible and it was situated so that it was facing the window which was behind the bed so it was like parallel to me, not looking directly at me, but looking directly out the window, which would have been also, uh, north. I don't know if that makes a difference, but. So it's standing there fully facing the window, which by the way is covered with a, a piece of wood and, uh, blanket and, uh, blinds completely covered up because it's winter and it's cold. So that's my insulation. So there's nothing it could be seeing. Out of this window, unless it's seeing through the window. And it's not even turned to face me. It's like it doesn't even acknowledge that I'm there. And my first thought was, I'm dreaming. And this is everybody's first thought at this point. I'm dreaming. So I turned on the light, thinking, you know, I'll clear this out. And when I turned on the light, everything disappeared the light, the shape, everything. And my room was exactly as I expected it to be, completely empty. And I thought, okay, good. I'm crazy. It was just a dream. And then I turned off the light again. And as soon as the light went out, it was back right there. Like it was just invisible in light. With this little glowy ball standing there looking out the window. And that, I I was kind of beside myself at that point. I woke up my my then boyfriend and, and told him, get up, get up, look, there's a thing. And he barely woke up at all, just kind of, huh, what? And saw nothing. Absolutely clueless. He couldn't see it. And then rolled over and went back to sleep. And I, I'm sitting there looking at it. And that's when it sort of started to interact a little bit. It gave just the slightest hint that it was aware that I was there. The head turned just a fraction, just enough in my direction as if it was trying to give me a sly smile, but I couldn't see its face. I just got the impression that that's what it was doing. And then it kind of seemed satisfied with itself and turned back to staring out the blocked window. still holding the light, otherwise not moving, just standing there, this hulking creature close enough, I could have reached out and touched it looking out the window, holding the light, being smug. And it was non-threatening at that point. Like at first, I was scared because there's a thing in my room that did not belong there. But after it sort of smiled and then went back to looking out the window, I kind of got this feeling that it was a guardian of some sort, not anything there to attack me. I have never seen anything like it before or since. And there it is the grim guardian who stares through the window.
1: Jeez. So this thing is, you know, pretty gigantic and it's in your room at night and it kind of acknowledges you, but, and you said that you thought that you could, it was so close that you could reach out and touch it. Do you think that you could actually have touched it? Or do you think this was more like a, an apparition that you can see, but not touch?
2: You know, I'm, I'm completely guessing at this point because I I didn't, but given that it disappeared when I turned on the light. I imagine that it wouldn't have been visible at all. I I think my hand would have slid right through
1: it. You know, along the lines of, and I know you've had UFO encounters, I'm not sure what your opinion is on UFOs, but do you think this could have been some kind of like um, alien extraterrestrial type creature that was uh, in your room for whatever reason?
2: It's possible. Um, That's not the impression that I got, but all of my impressions are based fully on my impressions they're they're completely ignorant opinions i have no facts to base them on but I, it gave me more the feeling of something in a maybe a different realm of the supernatural um like a I, like guardian is really the word that comes to mind because it really felt calming at the end like no nah, it's good i'm just here it didn't say anything. It didn't, you know, project thoughts into my mind or anything. It just, it was just very chill. Like, now I got this. I, I had no idea what it was. I, 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 if I had to venture a hypothesis, I would say it was some kind of a spirit. Um, if If I had to go farther than that, I might guess that it was something maybe of the fairy realm. Oops! I let my crazy show for a second. Um, <laughs> but that—that that might be my guess. I mean, it—it it didn't really seem ghostly, but it certainly wasn't human. I—I uh, I just don't know. I, it, it almost kind of had the the shape of like a giant troll, only again I, I never saw any skin or or any bones of it. It was just huge. And it was almost like it knew that I couldn't see it. Like it was purposely going, nah, you can see the cloak, but you don't get to see
1: the skin. So, all right. So speaking about the cloak now, when you see the cloak and you see this figure, did you ever feel like this was an ancient creature of some kind? Or did you, did that ever cross your mind? Cause I mean, when I think of a cloak, I think of something probably out of like Lord of the Rings or something like that. Some kind of those heavy duty, you know, mesh cloaks. And is that what it was or what? Describe it.
2: Definitely. There was an element of age. Um, I do recall that the cloak itself looked old and also not super fine. Like I work in textiles um, as a hobby. So I'm familiar with certain kinds of fabric and it wasn't like super fine, like a t-shirt or silk or anything. It looked like burlap. It was heavy and thick and it was definitely like a woven, and it looked kind of rough, maybe handmade, and it was it was thick enough and weighty enough in the way that it hung on this creature, that it was bulky and not very well tailored. It was like a just a giant sheet with a hood in it and some sleeves. Um, definitely something more uh, intricate than what you might buy at like a costume shop, but at the same time, it was definitely something that would be intended to protect its wearer from you know cold and outside stuff like it it looked functional and i remember that it was it was black but it had shades to it so there were parts of it that looked like it was either dirty or unbleached but like it varied a little in color over like the wrinkles of it does
1: that make sense? No, it definitely makes sense. And when you said burlop, that's exactly what I was thinking about. I just couldn't think of the term that I was looking for. Uh, <laughs> but I'll tell you, I mean, it definitely, for me, it sounds like something I'd be scared out of my mind seeing, uh, especially that that green light that it was kind of holding, but you said there's was no, there wasn't a hand there holding it, but where a hand would have been was this green light. I mean, it, it just sounds, to me, it, it has this weird, like haunting yet extraterrestrial kind of vibe to it to me uh where you know it's kind of looking at the window almost like the you would think it's friends or the craft or something like that was outside the window and was communicating with it uh maybe through the green light I don't know but it's I find it very very fascinating very fascinating
2: you know I probably should have been scared I think maybe I'm just too dumb to be scared <laughs> <laughs> but but it never looked at the light it held it almost like it was just there. It, it wasn't something it interacted with. It was just part of its its do, kind of like you would hold your cell phone in your hand. as a thing. Only I guess that's a bad example because you look at your cell phone. It never looked at it, and it the the green light was definitely a ball shape, and it it was sitting in, well, hanging in mid air right out from where like the sleeve of the cloak was so you could well you could I could see the edge of the sleeve and then there was a little bit of space and then the ball so I could imagine like a hand sticking out of the cloak holding the ball but there was nothing obscuring it and while it was green and that tends to be associated with all manner of unearthly creepy things it didn't necessarily strike me that way it was It was kind of a warm green and it, it it just wasn't threatening. Like once I got over the initial shock of there's something in my room, it wasn't, it wasn't threatening anymore. I'm trying to come up with another word to use there that might make more sense, but that's really the one that seems fitting. It's just unthreatening. And it never made a move towards me at all, which was nice because I've had other things that try to touch you or try to come at you but this one didn't it was very solidly where it was at kind of like it was manning a post like it felt like it was doing a job and that job didn't really have anything to do with interacting with me
1: that's interesting the fact that you think the job didn't have anything to do with you yet it was in your room so I clearly maybe there's some kind of extra extra dimensional type things going on here. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I find it very fascinating, but you just mentioned about how you've had other things try coming at you. Uh, do tell.
2: Okay. Um, well, I do want to clarify that when I say it didn't feel like it had anything to do with interacting with me, I would make a distinction with that from having anything to do with me. Like I do think I can't imagine any reason it would be there that wouldn't have to do with, me sleeping in the room, but it wasn't supposed to talk to me. It's kind of like the feeling that I got, but, um, as for things coming at me, okay. Um, (laughs) the weird set of mismatched experiences I had in an apartment I lived in in college, those, those be some of probably the first experiences I had with things coming at me. Um, so when I went off to college, The first time I'd ever lived, you know, away from home with strangers, probably a very similar situation to many, many, many other people. And the college where I went, they ran out of dorm space at one point. And so they rented an entire apartment building just down the street from their location and used that as dorms. So it was handled as a dorm situation, but they just jam-packed a bunch of students into apartments with you know multiple bedrooms and we had a you know a kitchen it was just a regular apartment um and i remember the first time that i realized that what i was seeing other people weren't seeing like i i guess i thought it was normal as a kid to just see things out of the corner of your eye and and acknowledge that there were people there that didn't seem to fit in with everyone else i had never given it a name before and it didn't stand out to me as anything unusual at all until I found myself surrounded by people who didn't know me at all and immediately registered it as odd when I would say, oh yeah, that guy over there in the corner and they didn't see it. Um, so that happened in this apartment building. And once I realized that was going on, I kind of didn't want to mention it to a bunch of people because they tend to look at you like you're crazy. <laughs> um, but I had told my roommate because they had witnessed me doing that thing cats do when they stare at the wall and you don't see what they're staring at and it creeps you out. And they're like, why are you looking over there? There's nothing over there. And you know, I tell them, well, I see something there you know, going on. And they were mildly interested enough to want to know what I saw because it was appearing in a place where they lived too. So they had a vested interest, I suppose. Um, but the first one I saw in that particular apartment was, It was like a scene layered over reality. I knew that what I was looking at was the doorway to my apartment, but somehow it, it suddenly had like a projected other scene on top of it. It it looked like something out of maybe the thirties or the forties. There was this large guy in a wife beater with a, you know, greasy hairdo and a mustache and, you know, dark like work pants and suspenders, sitting on a bed, and he was angry and he was yelling at this woman who was all put together in her nice little suit, um, like a a baby blue colored suit with a a shoulder length bobbed haircut, putting bobby pins in her hair underneath of a b- pillbox hat in front of a mirror, and I remember watching this interaction between the two of them, where. He was mad and she was clearly giving him the cold shoulder like, no, I'm not going to deal with your anger right now. You just let me know when you're done. I never did hear any words, but witnessing what they were doing made, you know, the the situation clear. And at the end of, you know, his little tirade with his, you know, flailing arms and his yelling at her while she just cold-shouldered him, she turned away from the mirror, turned her back to him and turned towards me, where I had been just standing there sort of gobsmacked watching this happen. And then she walked away from him as if she was walking towards me, and then the whole thing just sort of faded into mist. And I thought, okay, that's weird, but it didn't have anything to do with anything, so I just kind of went on about my life. Um, And then I saw her again. Uh, Probably a couple weeks later, I was taking my dog outside for a walk, And I put his leash on and went out the door and the door of the apartment opened into the hallway where, you know, other apartment doors were. And at the end of the hallway was the door that led outside. And just as I came out of my apartment door, I saw her walking like a little, like a little Scotty dog out the main door to go outside. And I thought, cool, you know, I I don't know what I'm seeing, but you know, I'll I'll go talk to her. So as she's walking out the door and I'm walking out, I went, Hey, And she turned and she looked at me and she didn't look happy. And then she just sort of rushed out the door and let it close behind her. And I thought, well, I'll just catch up with her. I'll talk to this lady. She's got a dog. You know, we have something in common. Not, not really quite getting that that wasn't solid, I guess. So I rush outside and I go down the stairs. And as I'm going down the the spiral stairs to the, the bottom floor, I can see her. She's already on the ground didn't occur to me at the time that that was probably way too fast for her to have made it there. But there she is, walking on the sidewalk outside of the stairs. And she turns and looks at me again. And I'm like, hey, wait up. And when she looked at me this time, her face, like, morphed. It went from just being an angry face to the mouth got suddenly inhumanly wide. And her eyes, like, tilted and got dark. And she made this... Hideous scowly growl at me. No sound, just it was clearly a warning of do not follow me. And when I looked down from there, I realized that she didn't have feet. She was just sort of hovering and right around her calves, she just sort of dissolved into mist. And the dog didn't have feet either. That was about the height of him. And then after her little scowly, threatening, stay away from me look, She turned the corner around the building, and at that point, because I guess I'm really dumb, I chased her. And when I got around the corner of the building, she was gone, and there was no place for her to have hidden from me. She was just gone. And I'm sure it was the same woman, though she was dressed completely different at this point. But all of a sudden, it wasn't just me witnessing something that might have happened. Now she saw me and was not happy that I saw her.
1: All right, let's take a break right now and talk about our sponsor for today's show, which is Pretty Litter. Now, I'm telling you guys, Pretty Litter works pretty good. And it's amazing because when I was actually changing the cat litter for nine months straight when my wife was pregnant, it was like death for me. I was going down the basement to change the cat litter. And it was like I was throwing up in my mouth. I could not handle it. I mean, I was probably being a little bit, you know, dramatic and like a baby about it. But (laughs) the fact of the matter is, it was nasty. It smelled awful. And I, I literally hated it. I hated it. And this past weekend, I went down into the basement and it just smelled clean. Like there was no residual odor at all when I was down there. I mean, I was right next to the litter box for a while and it was nothing. And I'll tell you, it's really cool that it's a great product, but it's also convenient. It gets shipped right to your door. You don't have to worry about lugging it in and out of the trunk. Every time you go grocery shopping, it gets taken right to your door. Just slide it in the house, take it to wherever you need to go and do your thing. There's no more running to pet stores and crap like that. I'm telling you guys, Pretty Litter takes it to the next level with their odor protection and the convenience of it. You can't miss on Pretty Litter. So do what I did and make the switch to Pretty Litter today by visiting prettylitter.com and use promo code TONY for 20% off your first order. That's prettylitter.com, promo code TONY for 20% off. Prettylitter.com, promo code TONY. Go get it right now. So what do you think that whole situation was? I mean, that's... Because uh, at first I was thinking, is this is some kind of time slip where people, you know, see, you know, these spirits and stuff that are kind of like just locked in time on this loop. Uh, but it doesn't seem like that once you start talking about how you're interacting with her.
2: That's exactly the impression I got that, that the first time it was sort of... I don't know if I would have called it a time slip, but it, it definitely felt like a moment out of time. Either I suddenly saw like a replay of a recording of something that happened once or or some other similar like thing. But then, yeah, when I saw her again, it, it kind of changed my opinion of it. I thought maybe, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm no expert in any of this stuff. I can only tell you what I saw and and I have no idea what it was. But when she started making like, and I hesitate to use this word loosely, but evil faces at me it that was kind of you know chilling goosebumps and what in the world am I looking at and that's not right kind of feelings um but that was just the first two encounters I had in this building and after seeing her and her like negative face at me um Then I had three more really weird encounters in that apartment. Um, And I I suspect they're all connected, though I cannot fathom how or why. The next one um, happened in the same apartment probably just a couple weeks later. I was putting away groceries and, and getting ready to cook dinner. And my roommate was standing behind me. And I opened up the pantry door to reach in for something. And inside the pantry was a girl, about 10 years old. Um, She was crouched down on her hands and knees wearing like a white nightgown kind of thing. It definitely looked maybe 1700s era. And she was soaking wet like she had just, you know, come out of the ocean. Her hair was bedraggled. Her her nightgown was like ripped. And she was crying and wailing for help. And again, I, I couldn't hear her. There was no sound. But I could see her mouth moving and it was evident from her face and her emotions that, that she was asking for help. And she reached out with her hand and tried to touch me. And I snatched my hand back because seeing them is one thing, being touched by them is another. I didn't, I didn't know what it was. I didn't want it touching me. Um, and my roommate standing right behind me saw none of this except my hand snatched back. And she goes, what, what's going on? What is this? She felt like I, you know, spider or something in the cupboard. And I just told her, hang on, wait a minute. I'll tell you when it's over. And this thing in the cupboard, this drowning looking girl looks up at me through her bedraggled hair. And this is when I kind of really took attention. It was me. She's wearing my face, looking back at me from the wrong era, drowned and begging for help and trying to touch me. And when she reached out to try to touch me again, I, I had already snatched my hand back at this point. So she wasn't, even close to my proximity, I told her, no, don't touch me. So now I'm talking to the empty pantry, and my roommate can't see what's going on behind me, and it's kind of just like, okay, we're going to need an update on this weirdness now. And then she faded into nothing, and I have no idea why she was wearing my face. I, and that was that was the end of encounter number three in that apartment.
1: Wow. Um, well, hang on a second before you go any further here, uh, what do you think was going on there? I mean, uh, I can't recall ever hearing somebody say that they saw an entity that was wearing their face. I mean, are I don't know i mean i'm 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 really flabbergasted right now as to what you saw. Uh, you've had more time to think on this. What were your conclusions to that moment? Were there any conclusions?
2: Well, my conclusions came after all five experiences, so I will will definitely tell you when I've got there, but I kind of feel like you want to hear them all, Um, and I could be totally wrong because I'm I'm just guessing, but it was weird to me that it wore my face, and that was kind of a clue to what was going on. Um, The fourth encounter, um, again, this all happened in the space of a few months in this apartment. Um, I was sitting at the computer desk, which was side-by-side with the TV stand in the living room. And my two roommates were sitting on the couch behind me watching the television. So I had my back to them because the TV and the computer screen faced the same direction. Um, And I'm sitting at the desk, you know, typing an email when, and this is where it starts to get, like, it just gets more and more ridiculous, which is kind of what leads into my thoughts on this whole thing. I'm sitting there typing and rising straight up through the top of the desk comes another little, like, gargoyle thing. Only this one looked like Tar Baby from the Song of the South movie. Like it, like it just yanked that image right out of my imagination. It was like a chubby little shiny black demon thing with horns and glowing eyes and wings, and it it just had this this look uh, on its face of of ambition delight. And it looked at me, and it reached out to touch me, just like the vision that had my face had done. Almost exactly the same motion it reached out to touch my hand, and I snatched it back again and just sat there looking at it like, "What, what is this?" and it looked at me and it pointed at me, and it laughed again, totally silent, and then it looked around me and pointed at one of my roommates and I was like, "What, why you know meanwhile, my roommates behind me have stopped what they were doing because i'm sitting in the corner making weird motions. And they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, hang on, I'll tell you in a second. But before all of this finished, the roommate that this little impy thing had pointed at suddenly got a nosebleed and got up and ran off to the bathroom. While she was out of the room, the other one looked at me and she goes, were those two things connected? And I said, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. But I told her what I saw and told her not to tell the other one because she would have been super freaked out. And then it just kind of laughed and sunk back into the deck like it disappeared right the way it came. There was no fanfare or anything. It just went ha, ha, and left. I, I mean, she was a frequent sufferer of noseblades in general, but the timing is just awful coincidental. Especially since it looked impy and it laughed. It just felt evil it didn't it didn't feel right
1: yeah and this one that you saw it wasn't as big though as the one you saw before right
2: true and they quite frankly don't look at all alike um because the the one i saw in my bedroom i couldn't see its skin at all this one wore no clothes and it just looked like i could see it's oily black shiny skin and it was all one solid color almost almost like it had just been dipped in this oily black goo. Um, And I looked right at its face and, and using the term gargoyle for both of them is probably misleading because they couldn't be too different, more too English. They couldn't be more different, the two of them, but, (laughs) but this thing just, it was mischievous. And I kind of got the feeling that it was like spiteful. Like it was mad that I wouldn't let it touch me. So it was going to do something in retaliation. And the fifth one, and this is where this, like, it just gets increasingly more ridiculous. The fifth one, I had gone to bed in this apartment and I had just laid down. I wasn't asleep yet. And I heard the door open and the faucet turn on. And that wasn't unusual because one of the roommates could have come in to use the bathroom and I didn't think anything of it until the water just never turned off. So I got up like to turn it off and find out why somebody left the water running and the water's not running and the door's shut. It had never opened that I could tell. So I I opened the door and I go out into the kitchen. One of my roommates is standing there and I was like, did you just come in and turn on the water? And she's like, no. I'm like, for serious? She's like, no. Okay. And she looks at me and she goes, did something weird just happen again? And I'm like, I guess. I don't know. I thought I heard the water running. Maybe I was wrong. So I turned around and I crawled back into bed and I must have been laying down for like 10 seconds tops. And I suddenly like got that feeling that I wasn't alone. And I had been rolled over facing the wall. So I rolled over the other way to look, you know, into the room and standing right there next to the bed is a five foot tall haystack with glowing red eyes with little thick arms. Like, do you remember that Campbell's commercial? Where the snowman comes in, and when he sits down to have the bowl of soup, the steam from the soup melts the snow off, and it turns out it's a kid.
1: I can picture it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> anyway, the, the snowman had these like branch thick arms sticking out of him, and this haystack had the same kind of arms. It was a haystack. Like, I can't even, it was ridiculous. It was literally a giant stack of yellow hay with glowing red eyes and stick arms wearing this ridiculous fake little cowboy hat thing. And it was just standing there sort of huh, 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 like Jabba the Hut, laughing at me right there in the room next to the bed after the, the, water had turned on and the door had opened. And I just looked at it and I went, no, I grew up with horses. pay doesn't scare me. That's what you're trying to do. You're going to have to do better now. leave." And I rolled over and faced the wall. And went back to sleep, or went to sleep. And and it just kind of went, <sighs> and then disappeared. I can't, I, it was so non-threatening. It was comical. It was almost cartoonish. There's nothing that should be a glowing eyed stack of hay. It's just, that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And that was the fifth experience in that apartment. And after that, I never saw anything
1: in there again. Okay. Well, all right. So that was the fifth experience in the apartment. And you said that you have drawn conclusions after that experience. Cause I'm sitting here thinking, yeah. how does she draw conclusions from that experience? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've had a guy on the show who, you know, I've had several people on the show actually, who saw apparitions of like cartoon characters. Uh, one comes to my mind of Fred Flintstone. And so like, people see weird things, right? But how did you draw conclusions about all those experiences off the haystack?
2: Okay, so it wasn't just the haystack. It was the idea that all of these things just kept getting more and more ridiculous, like unbelievable, like from, oh, it's your own face to it looks like something you saw in a movie to something so ridiculous it it couldn't possibly be scary. And my theory is that the three last encounters weren't actually what they appeared to be, that they were projected images from the first thing I saw, the woman. That for some reason she was trying to either scare me or make me think I was crazy so that I wouldn't look for her or see her again. Now what she was, I have no idea, but that, that's my running theory that, that those were just things she created to mess with my head or whatever her ends were, just to make me leave her alone or not to look for her. That's my guess. And that's all it is as a guess, but there it is.
1: Well, I mean, so with that idea, do you think that that woman was some type of witch? I mean, you did say that she had no feet. So, I mean, that in itself doesn't seem like... I mean, I personally think of witches like you know physical, real people. They're witches, you know. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I know I I was a, when I was a real little kid. I can't remember where I heard this, but I remember somebody and I was there when they were telling it. But somebody was telling a story of a woman that was. I think she was in a grocery store or something. And the person telling the story said that they. I guess they were working there, and this person was going up and down the aisles really fast. And so they went out to look at the person, and as the woman went across one of the aisles like at the end of the aisle where you could see the person didn't have any feet and so I remember that because that was probably one of the very first ghost stories I've ever heard in person and it scared me so bad for a long time I was scared of that story uh, just thinking about it so I mean I've heard this before and this was in a grocery store the story I just shared with you where there's lots of people it's very weird I I don't know
2: well I can tell you that all the times that I've ever seen, I'm going to use this term for lack of a better word, because I am by no means any kind of knowledgeable expert on this, but anytime I've ever seen what I thought was a, an apparition or a ghost, almost every time they don't have feet. It's almost like they are not a complete projection of their own like image. So it, it didn't strike me necessarily as odd. In that respect that she didn't have feet, that was almost like the clue into, yeah, she's not flesh. Um, and if I had to venture a guess, and it is only a guess, I would say that she was she was a ghost. And for whatever reason, I stumbled that first time into some sort of a playback loop of something she experienced. And then having seen her later, she didn't like the intrusion. That was kind of the feeling that I got. She didn't want to be witnessed, she didn't want to interact, and she just wanted me to go away. Whether she acknowledged at all that we were on different planes of existence, I have no idea. But that, that was the feeling that I got, that maybe she had enough knowledge to know how to try to scare me in in an attempt to just just get me off her trail. I mean, I don't know what she thought I was going to do, <laughs>
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's, uh, that in itself is weird though, because that would suggest that a ghost or some kind of spirit knows you personally and intimately enough to know these certain things to try to trigger you. You know, like that's, that's kind of weird.
2: You know, I had not thought of it that way, but now that you mention it, that does make it considerably scarier. Uh...
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's like, it's like the thing's been with you your whole life and you're just seeing it now. Run for the hills.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, the the making the girl look like my own face—that seems pretty easy. If if this thing had seen me, it knows what I look like. Um, and the little black impy thing—I I don't know if if this ghost had ever seen a movie, it, it could have pulled that from my imagination. I guess. I mean, it very much looked to me like like an evil version, like I said, of the Tar Baby from The Song of the South except, you know, animated and with like horns and wings and definitely souped up to look scary. Um, and where the haystack thing came from, I have no idea. I, I, I grew up with horses and hay bales and, and hay is not scary to me in the least, nor is it even unfamiliar. So that was just, it was just odd. And since that was like the last thing, and I, I literally addressed it out loud. I don't know. Um, But I will tell you that I learned from that experience and that addressing these things out loud when they're bothering me has helped a lot. (laughs) Uh, If I find things bothering me, I will just tell them out loud to go away. And it usually seems to work. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Hey, maybe I'm kooky. I don't know.
1: Uh, You don't sound kooky to me. You don't sound (laughs) kooky to me. I can understand how your experiences make you feel Cookie, if you do feel kooky, because uh, first of all, people don't talk about this stuff, right? I mean, that's why we have the show, because it's a spot where people can come and share these things. But also, it's like, who do you talk to? You know, who do you talk to about this kind of stuff? Uh, you're experiencing some crazy stuff. It's not like you're going to go to a counselor or a therapist and say, Hey, this is what I'm experiencing. Because they're going to say, Okay, well, here's this note. Take it down the hall, and there'll be guys with a white jacket to put on you. We'll take
2: care of you. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, no, I can answer that question. You talk to Tony Merkel. <laughs> <laughs>
0: There you go.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I should, you know, I should do that. I I should, I should send my name, a business card to all these places and just say, if you have somebody saying stuff like this, just refer them to me.
2: (laughs) Well, on that note, I mean, you know, hundreds of years ago, people would have sat around campfires and met on the road or whatnot and traveling and, and shared their experiences. Like, Hey, I was in that bog and something creepy chased me out of there. So stay out. Or, Hey, that castle over there, don't spend the night there. It's creepy. So, your podcast is kind of like the modern technological campfire where people come to share their experiences. Here it is.
1: (laughs) Well, that's interesting. I never really thought about it that way. Maybe I should start playing some fire sounds in the background while you tell your stories.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You know, mood settings, not a bad idea.
1: (laughs) Hey, you know, you, you just brought a great idea. Maybe we'll incorporate that one day. Who knows? But, uh, I'll tell you what, those experiences were pretty crazy. Uh, I, and how it all comes together, and you know your conclusions and stuff. Uh, it, it's just I find it fascinating, absolutely fascinating. Uh, I know you've had a lot of different experiences, um, and I'm pretty sure. Did you say that you had more paranormal experiences to go over?
2: There's there's a few other odd things, yeah.
1: If you want, you can go ahead and share those, and then we'll uh, transition into some of your UFO sightings.
2: Okay. Um, I had a sighting, a sighting, an experience, whatever you want to call it, at the Queen Mary. Um, that didn't strike me as terribly odd until I heard are you familiar with the haunted housewives
1: uh, yeah are you talking about the TV show
2: uh, I, I actually don't have television so I don't know if they're on TV but I, I have heard them on like radio interviews before
1: huh. and
2: they did a radio interview with uh, Howard Hughes of the unexplained where one of them relayed an experience she had and the entire time she was talking I was like Oh, me too me too that exact same thing happened to me So not that I feel a need for validation or anything, but it was very interesting to hear that someone else had the same sighting experience at the Queen Mary that I'd had. Um, I was there during the day uh, when they, I, I don't know if you've ever been there, but basically you can pay to take a tour with a guide and they'll walk you around the ship and tell you you know, all about the stuff that happened and the history and some of the paranormal stuff. And they have all kinds of, you know, stories to relay when you go with a guide. Or if you happen to be like a guest or you're there at a certain time, you can just wander the ship on your own. Like you can just go in and tour it. So I did. Uh, my then boyfriend and I were walking around in just the the free touring areas where there's like signs Posted that explained, you know, oh, this is a place where this happened and these people were here and, you know, during World War Two this happened. And so, you know, we're, we're tourists reading the signs and whatnot. And we reached a spot where you could go into the more under, un, under the sea level area of the ship, you know, down into more of the workings where it was all like pipes and, you know, it like wasn't boiler rooms. It wasn't the nice. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of thing. It wasn't the nice like state rooms upstairs with a carpet in the hallways. This was the, the working Part of the ship, so we wandered in there, and they have these walkways that are, um, I don't. It's kind of like a suspended little bridge with uh pipes on either side, and so you walk on the little space there, and there's handrails to hold, and and it lets you cross some areas that are otherwise don't have a floor because it's just machinery and pipes and things. So we were down in there, and we reached a spot where it was roped off and. You weren't supposed to just go. And the only thing that was stopping us was, you know, the little chain and a little spine that said, you know, like, do not pass or whatever. And not that I encourage people to do this, but we walked past it. We just hopped over the fence, the little chain thing, and went right by it and went to wherever we wanted. And we're wandering around back in the, you know, boilery machinery areas. And he walked on ahead down one of those like suspended, walkway areas, and he got, I don't know, 50 feet ahead of me or so, and he started to round a curve. He had passed the spot where those two walkways met. There was a little intersection. Um, and as he, you know, was coming back towards me, because he had reached the end, and he's like, "Yeah, we can't go any further. He passed the spot where the little intersection was um, that met, it joined like a T-shaped join of those little walkways. And he had passed the intersection. And when I looked up at him, there was someone else coming. And I kind of got scared a little bit, like, we're going to get in trouble because we're not where we're supposed to be. And this dude is coming by in a blue uniform with, like, the big brass buttons. He had, uh, like, a chestnut chocolate brown beard and a hat on. And he looked like he belonged there, Either, either a tour guide in a costume or a uniform of some sort. I really didn't recognize it. I just, I know the uniform when I see one blue with brass buttons and the thing. And he was walking up the pathway that intersected with the, the one my then boyfriend was on. Only he was, that intersection was behind him now. But he didn't see the guy. And I looked up, you know, my boyfriend and I'm like, there's somebody coming. We're in trouble. And he turns around and he goes, who, where, what? And he doesn't see it. And then he watches my face as I'm watching this guy in uniform who is paying us zero attention whatsoever as he just walks down the little walkway. And when he reached the spot where the pathways intersect, he just walked straight into a wall and disappeared. So we go running over to the spot where the intersection is. And sure enough, right there where the the wall that he walked through is, they have a boarded up doorway. Like I don't, and it was weird because the everything in the Queen Mary is like metal, but they had boarded up this doorway with a piece of plywood, and he had just walked right through there, paid us no mind. And for reference, he also did not have feet. So it was just it was just cool to to get a, a sighting on the Queen Mary. That's like a bucket list item.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, there's. Other people have had experiences on the Queen Mary, too. In fact, I just had uh, not too long ago a woman on the, sh- on the show sharing her experience on the Queen Mary. Uh, I believe it was episode 105, Walking with the Dead, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, and so it- it's one of those things where uh, the Queen Mary definitely has some things going on. And uh, one of my patrons had told me that a guy got steamed alive on that ship. And uh, who knows? Maybe that's who you saw
2: entirely possible i mean if you've ever been there and taken the tour because i did once get the tour with like an actual guide and when they tell you the stories about the sort of things that happened there during the war a lot of people died on that ship during the war If, if if you know not even counting accidental death during the time it was a cruise ship and a pleasure vessel but um but during the war there were a lot of horrible accidents and things um, and that wasn't actually my first and only experience with the Queen Mary. I and this one I, I don't know that I can give a lot of credence to because I was very young. But my parents had taken me there. And they were there for some sort of a, a party, I don't know, a wedding reception or something. And everybody was gathered around in this one room and they were all, you know, drinking and partying like adults do. And I was I was little. I had to have been only like five. But the crew was coming along telling us, oh, we're closing this part of the ship. Everybody's got to, you know, move on down to the next room or whatnot. So they were sort of shuffling us out and my parents were lagging. They were the last ones out and I was the last one behind them. And as we were ascending these, you know, metal stairs that were coming up out of a, I don't, I don't even remember what the room looked like before, but the lights were shutting down behind us because, you know, they were closing the room. And as the lights started shutting down, I started hearing screaming like hundreds of people screaming in the dark and trying to chase the light as it was, you know, as the different sections of the light switches were being hit and it was cascading off. They were like running and screaming to get to the light. And as we reached that, or they were already on the staircase and I had just reached it. As I reached the staircase, trying to come up, I was freaking out because I thought they were chasing me. So I, Ran up the stairs, you know, and grabbed my dad's hand and was like, ah. And he's laughing at me because he doesn't see anything. He doesn't know what the hell's going on at all. And just no idea. But as we got to the very top of the staircase, I looked down. And the edge of the shadow where it met the last spot of light was like quivering, like there were just masses in the shadow that couldn't come out. And that was the last thing I remembered about my first trip to the Queen Mary. Hundreds of screaming voices and things hidden in shadow. No idea what that was. Maybe it was a five-year-old's imagination, but it sure was scary.
1: Yeah, I was just going to ask you how old you were because five years old, that is terrifying, Uh, even for an adult to go through. But for a five-year-old, do you think that was maybe like a... A marking point in your life that you are going to have these kind of experiences throughout your life? Because clearly, uh, you have a lot of different experiences with the paranormal. And uh, sometimes I wonder I always ask this question to people like you because, you know, people that have many different experiences. If you think that there's something about you particular that, you know, you're more prone for these kind of experiences, I always wonder if there's certain things about people that make them more prone for paranormal more than others.
2: I do not know. Um, I, I know that the rest of my family doesn't seem to see these things with the exception of my dad, but he did not acknowledge it that way. Um, the only reason that I know that he occasionally saw things is because I witnessed him doing so. Um, one of my childhood memories, uh, we were on a road trip in the back of his conversion van driving across the country to go visit my grandmother. And we'd stopped at a rest stop to sleep. And he was sleeping just in the, the open back of the van. And I remember hearing a noise and waking up because I'd just been sleeping on the floor of the van, like up between the front seats. Um, And I, I sat up and I looked and there's my dad with the two back doors of the van open. And he's sitting with his legs hanging out of the van. Um, in his underwear and mind you my dad was a little too proper for that sort of thing he'd be, no one was going to see him in his underwear but there he was sitting in his underwear with the back doors open for the whole wide world to see him near naked um and he had his arm out as if it was around the shoulder of someone but there was no one there and he was having a full-blown conversation with his arm around nothing and when i you know woke up my mom and was like mom What is going on? She turned and looked at my dad, saw it, and then just told me, Go back to sleep. Don't worry about it. What? (laughs) I don't know if she, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if she saw it or didn't, but she was apparently used to his uh, reactions to this sort of thing. So she just told me to go to sleep and leave it alone.
1: Possible sleepwalking,
0: maybe?
2: Uh, Impossible. I have no idea. Um, But, uh, that that was my dad he was a little kooky um later i remember one time he had been sleeping in his little man cave and he came running in the house his little man cave was a subsect of the garage and he came running in the house screaming that there was a woman in his room who was coming to take him away and he described her as having long stringy black hair and corpse like skin and he was so freaked out he was elderly at this point um He was so freaked out, he'd spit out his dentures. (laughs) And he was telling me he wouldn't go back in the room to get them and that I had to go get them for him. And I was like, But scary woman in the room, why do I want to go back in there? (laughs) And he was just like, Well, I ain't doing it. So, you know, I left him sitting in the kitchen and went back into his room to go get his dentures. And I saw nothing, but. There was definitely an electric, creepy feeling in the room. Now, maybe that was just the power of suggestion, but I don't know, man. He told me he saw that crazy, creepy, stringy, black-haired woman a number of times, and I never saw her, but he seemed to think that she was coming to get him.
1: Who knows? Well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you have prone to these experiences from a lineage of people in your family having similar experiences. I don't know. I'm just a dumb truck driver of the podcast. I don't know these things.
2: (laughs) I don't know. Um, I can tell you that this was probably almost 12 years ago or so. I met a strange lady. (laughs) She made me nervous. Um, (laughs) the quarter song, um, who stopped me in a store and started asking me strange questions. And I mean, I knew who she was. I'd seen her before in the store, but I didn't know her. She didn't know my name. And she started asking me things. Some of them I don't remember, but one of the things she asked me was, you have a, like a small collection of, of, of small solid objects, right? Which was just a really weird way to put it. But I do, I, I have like a, you know, a collection of keys, I keep keys, old keys, and little bits of metal like that go on jewelry, just, you know, for crafting purposes. And then she started asking me stuff like, you know, about what I eat, and where my family's from. And she seemed to like already know the answers. And then my, you know, then best friend was standing there with me, And she goes, and you're fully distracted by shiny objects, aren't you? And I hesitated to answer because that came across to me as mildly insulting. And my best friend standing there goes, oh, yeah, totally. And I'm like, don't feed the crazy person. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know who this woman is or why she's asking me these questions. And I pulled out my phone and she looks at it and she sees that the back of my phone is purple. And it's not purple because it was made that way. This is, okay, so this is going to get really off the the wall. The phone turned purple in my hand. It took time. It was a, a porous object that spent time touching my skin. And for some reason, porous objects that spend a significant amount of time in contact with my skin tend to turn purple. And she saw that and was like, you know what that means. And I was like, no, no, I don't know what it means, but I do know you're crazy. You want to tell me what you think? (laughs) And she goes, one of your, you know, one of your parents was from the old country. And I was like, "What? what? My dad was the first generation born in America. His family was from Italy. And she didn't know that. She couldn't possibly know that. Or any of this other stuff. I'm sure a bunch of it had to have been cold reading, which is what I thought it was at the time. And she goes, but when you touch stuff, it turns purple. And I'm like, well, yeah, I thought that was just weird. She goes, no, it means someone in your lineage is a fairy. Record screech, full stop. What? I have no idea. This crazy person tells me this, and it's kind of been my favorite little party story to tell as a joke, because I don't know that I can believe that. But it sure is fun to tell people this. In the meantime, the whole turning things purple, I went to my doctor and I was like, hey, so stuff turns purple when I touch it. And she's like, what? (laughs) And I was like, yeah, you know, like the chair I sit in, my desk, my phone, my sheets, the inside of my clothes, stuff that touches my skin turns purple. And she looks at me and she's like, well, none of your medications will cause that. And I was like, okay, that's kind of what I thought. She goes, well, so, you know, start testing your detergent and your shampoo and your lotion. So we eliminated, you know, like the elimination diet equivalent of all this stuff to try to figure out what the cause is. I was convinced it had to be like some kind of lotion or something, right? It was coming off my skin and turning stuff purple. Um, but I never did find anything that, that stopped it when I stopped using it. I have no idea what causes stuff to turn purple when I touch it, but it does. Um, My phone case right now has, it it started out completely crystal clear, but after having it for a while, it turns purple, not, you know, gray, like it's dingy, like it's dirty purple. I'm not purple. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what this is. The doctor was flabbergasted. Nobody else seems to know what it is. If I take the sheets off my bed, there's like a purple outline of myself on the mattress. My toilet seat has a purple imprint of my butt on it. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know what to do with the purple, but it's weird. <laughs> so,
1: really, the only answer you got is from the crazy lady.
2: Yeah. Now here's the extra fun part. So I thought this is total hokum. This woman is just like messing with me. So I got online, you know, and exercised my Google foo. And started searching, you know, stuff turns purple when I touch it. And I found, I don't know, like a hundred different, you know, Google links for my skin turns purple. And I was like, no, no, my skin stays the same color. Stuff that touches my skin turns purple. I found one random post on a random forum where somebody was talking about that. And sure enough, the person who posted it on this weird forum said the same thing this crazy lady did. That if you turn things purple, it means there's fairy blood in your heritage. And then I could never find the link again. I have no idea. I don't think I look like a fairy. Uh, it doesn't make any sense to me. And that sounds complete hogum. but
1: stuff I touch turns purple. <laughs> That's really interesting.
2: <laughs> That's really interesting. <laughs> yeah.
1: I would suggest Weird. from now on when you find something that has answers, save the stinking link.
2: You know? Just, well, it was, it was like 12 years ago. I didn't, I didn't even think it would be a thing. I, it it never even occurred to me that it was important enough to worry about. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I don't know either. I mean, <laughs> you got some, you have some really interesting stories for us today. I'll tell you, uh, I mean, this is, that's a new one for me. Um, and the fact that you couldn't find it on the internet really anywhere and the one place you found it, it disappeared. I mean, do you, I don't know. Do you think that somebody had that link there specifically for you? And then, you know, a little you, bit really that's conspiracy. Kind of one. You know.
2: Well, a part of me wonders if this woman was just trying to like play a practical joke on me. I, I mean, how, How? I don't know. I don't know, but it sure is a fun story to tell at parties, right? <laughs> that's all I can do.
1: <laughs> well, I, I think that if you tell yeah. that story, at parties and stuff, at least you get people's attention.
2: It's entertaining and that's where I have to leave it because I can't, I can't dive full hog into believing that without any more evidence at all.
1: Absolutely. Well, why don't you talk to us about some UFOs? (laughs) Talk UFO to me.
2: Okay. (laughs) Well, I live um, near an Air Force base. So seeing strange stuff in the sky is not uncommon. Um, I work at that air force base. So I am familiar with the aircraft. They fly there. And I would like to think that I would recognize a known airplane if I saw one. Um, uh, but there it is. Uh, the first, first UFO I ever saw, and it is exactly what a UFO is. It was flying and I didn't know what it was. I'm not saying it was aliens. I'm not saying it was anything. I just don't know what it was. Um, I was home alone, I was probably I don't know, nine. My parents had gone grocery shopping and I was responsible enough to be left home alone. Um, at the time, the area that we lived in suffered an awful lot of power outages during the summer when the thunderstorms had hit. So it wasn't uncommon at all that the power would go out and it went out while I was home alone. And I'd been sitting in my bedroom reading books like a good little nerd. When the power went out and I suddenly couldn't read anymore because the lights were off. So I wandered out into the living room And when I got to the living room, the big picture window in the front, the curtains were closed, but I could see lights flashing through the window. And my first thought was there's an ambulance or something. So I peeled back the curtains and looked outside and there it wasn't an ambulance. It was, it looked like a blimp. Like I recognized the blimp nine years old is old enough to know what a blimp looks like. Um, and it was, in the street, but not touching the street, like hovering, I don't know, four feet off the ground or so. Uh and the bottom carriage part where the people would go, not the air filled balloon part, was surrounded with flashing lights. And on the front of it was a like a Pinot tube, like a that looks like a dart sticks off the front. And it had the little like dart wings on the back. Um, the little flight guides like you'd see on an arrow or a dart. Only, you know, the thing was the size of a school bus. And all the power was out in the whole neighborhood. Everybody's lights were out. So it was the only lit thing in all of, you know, the darkness out in the middle of nowhere. With flashing lights around the bottom that looked like the Simon game. Just not quite rectangular, slightly curved to go around the circular basket that hung off the bottom of the air blimp piece. And flashing in some kind of a pattern. And I looked at it, realized that I had no idea what it was or why it was glowing or why it was there. And I saw no people or creatures or beings of any sort. And so I just kind of panicked and I shut the window, closed the curtains, ran back to my room and hid under the bed until my parents came home. At which point they came home and the lights were out and everybody else's lights were back on by that point. But I guess at nine, I didn't know to flip the breaker switch. So our house is still dark. And they were like, why is it dark in here? And I'm not answering. So they're kind of going, oh, no, what happened to the kid? And I come out, you know, from under the bed when they come wandering down the hall calling my name. And they were like, why are you scared? It was just a power outage. And I didn't know how to tell them. I saw a weird lighted thing in the street. I don't know. But that was the first one. And I would love to hear someone tell me, oh, yeah, they were, you know, flying blimps that year or something. No idea.
1: <laughs> now, did you live near the Air Force Base as a kid?
2: Yeah, same same area. Um, about probably twenty miles is the crow flies.
1: All right, so here's a, a conspiratorial question for somebody who works at the air the, at the Air Force Base: <laughs> Is there a chance that there is some kind of top secret project or um, you know bunker or something that's that they're using for? new technology aircraft kind of thing? I mean, you work there. I, I, I don't know, but I'm just trying to throw out things.
2: Well, there's always the chance. But looking back on it now as an adult, knowing what I know, um, if this particular flying object was belonging to a special project for the Air Force, I highly doubt it would have been covered in colorful flashing lights nor would it have been just barely hovering over the street in a residential neighborhood, a rock's throw from my front door, a rock's throw from like 12 people's front door. You know, like that's just not what a special project would do.
1: But what if they wanted you to see it?
2: Why they would want a nine-year-old to see a glowing blip, I have no idea. It is within the realm of possibility, I cannot deny it. But I know of no motivation for the reason why they would do it.
1: Yeah, I know. I and I, maybe maybe <laughs> they wanted you and everybody else. I don't know. I I have no idea. There's no secret it, hangar or anything like that on the base that you could you know possibly recall.
2: I cannot answer that question. Oh. Um. <laughs> but you know, the Air Force, they have technology, and this is clearly like a blimp. I that's that's retro like hundred years. Uh, um, I don't know. Uh, maybe it was an honest to god weather balloon.
1: Maybe, maybe it's a maybe it's the first UFO sighting that's actually a weather balloon.
2: <laughs> and it, I mean, it could have been. It didn't look like there were people in it with it around it anywhere. It almost kind of looked like a remote control thing, except it was the size of a school bus, which is the only thing that kept me from thinking it was some local kid's, you know, remote control toy. But I mean, this would have been like 1988. And I know they have those balloons now that you can buy that are helium filled and they have a little motor on them that you can like fly your little helium balloon around a room. Uh, Maybe it was an early version of something like that. Although why it's again, flying through my neighborhood. Also the power went out, which again, wasn't unusual, but highly coincidental that this thing should appear while the power's out.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, it's definitely interesting. And, uh, before we wrap this up and I, because I'm the goofball that forgot to charge his phone and I called you on my phone. So my battery's about to die here, but would you be able to just kind of share with us maybe one more UFO experience?
2: Um, I've got two more and I can relate them as quick as possible. Go for it. Okay. So the second one, uh, real quick, I was coming out of the driveway of Target my local target during Christmas time. And as I was getting ready to pull into traffic, I just happened to glance up and I saw what looked to be a, another silver balloon shaped kind of thing about the size of a VW bug hovering just above the streetlight in slow circles, just out of, out of the light. Like it was visible only because the lights had enough, you know, ambient reflection that you could make out the underside of it. And it was big enough to house, you know, people, but not many, just maybe two or three and hovering just above the street. And no one else seemed to see it. I stuck my head out of my car and was like, everybody look. And nobody cared because it was like three days before Christmas and they were all doing their Christmas shopping. No idea what that was, but there it was hovering over a fully active city and, you know, thousands of people. Um the other one that I saw this one I think is far more interesting and I don't know that it was a UFO I think it might have been some kind of a weird fairy light but I was driving home to this same you know remote area through miles and miles of empty desert um and this was before they made it a law that you can't talk on your cell phone while you're driving so I'm on the phone while I'm driving through between empty you know farm fields and there's no traffic on the road at all and the only car And, you know, the person I'm talking to on the phone is regaling me with some story and I'm just, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. And then I see this light in the field beside me. And at first I thought that it was like a, a refraction of my headlight, like through my window or something, because it was keeping perfect pace with me. And it had emotion about it that seemed steady enough to imply that it belonged to something bigger. Because the light itself was very small. It was kind of like a tiny spark that sort of had a glow around it about the size of a basketball or a beach ball. But it was about 30 feet away from, you know, the truck I was driving. And it was out in the field. And so I thought it was just like a refraction illusion thing. And then it moved independently of the motion of my car. And I realized it's not a reflection or a fraction or whatever. It's moving on its own and it's pacing my vehicle. At which point I start, you know, screaming to the person I'm on the phone with, I'm looking at a UFO right now. And, and she's totally beside herself. She doesn't know what to think. And and it it's just pacing my car. It zooms up a little bit, like to get ahead, almost like it wanted a front view of my vehicle. And then it slowed down behind me. And I'm driving down the road at 60 miles an hour at 11 o'clock at night. It's total pitch blackness. I'm out in the middle between like I said farm fields. There's no street lights. There's there's nothing. The only thing lit is my headlights and this thing pacing my car. And then as I'm totally fixated on it, I watch as it sort of stops pacing me. It slows down a little bit, sort of like it's re-gearing its own speed, and then at, you know, 60 miles an hour, it makes a 90 degree turn and zips off directly to the south And I watch it cover the distance between where I'm at and the mountains in the distance, which are, I don't know, 50 miles away. The peaks have got to be farther than 50 miles. The foothills are like 50 miles. It zips in a straight line from where I'm at to the mountain and then makes like a cartoonish hop over them and disappears on the other side. And I never saw it again. No idea what it was.
1: Well, those are unique. I'd love to tell you, I saw aliens, that'd be more fun. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it, I mean, it's funny because you had two UFO encounters that almost could have been possible weather balloons, you know, <laughs> like, but they weren't, you know, it's, it's just funny. Um, uh, cause everybody teases, teases the UFO people that, Hey, it was just a weather balloon. And it's like, uh, probably not. So with your experiences that you've had with paranormal and UFO, do you ever think that they might be related at all?
2: You know, I haven't thought about it. Um, I tend to experience the the stuff I classify as sort of ghostly, for lack of a better word, as sort of separate from the other. But I don't know. I, I tend to think the first two, you know, UFO sightings were were literally just something. I don't know what it is. It's possible. I mean, I feel like I have a decent grasp on what flies around here because I work at the air force base, but I could be wrong. They don't tell me everything. (laughs) I'm not privy to every, you know, secrets the air force has. Um, But what that little light was at the end. um, I mean, I'd called it a UFO for all the years that I had ever seen it, but now I kind of wonder, since I've heard other people talk about things that they've seen, if maybe a UFO isn't the most accurate, descriptor maybe maybe that was those weird lights that people see in the forest I, I don't know it was in, an, in a farm field and it zipped up over mountains so I mean I did see it in nature but I have no idea it didn't feel alien if I were you know able to tell you what alien feels like it just seemed curious and then gone that quick. Like in a split second, it covered, you know, those miles to the mountain and then hopped over it in what looked very much like a cartoonish movement.
1: Yeah. I can picture what you're talking about. Like the way you described this stuff, it, it would seem cartoonish. It really would seem cartoonish, but, uh, you know, I've heard crazier things in the show. So (laughs) you're not, you're not, you're not a kook or whatever you were saying you were earlier and stuff. You're just a normal person, (laughs) a normal person that has crazy experiences that, Decided to speak up a little bit, which I appreciate. Uh, so I'll tell you what, Joe, I really do appreciate coming on the show and sharing some of these experiences. They were fascinating, and I do appreciate
0: it.
2: I'm glad you were entertained. <laughs>
0: Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, please share the show with your friends, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok, email, water coolers, MySpace. I don't care where you share the show. Just share the show if you enjoyed it, because that is the best thing you can do to help the show grow. So thank you very much in advance. And until next week, friends, stay safe, take care, and remember, the truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off. And Epstein didn't kill himself. Gotta carry yeah yeah, I'ma go into this Yeah yeah, this is gorilla woo Yeah yeah, I'ma go get the bag Yeah yeah or I'ma get the bag Yeah yeah I'm so cold yeah like
2: Yeah I'm so dull like, it. Woo! We like it. yeah We gon' blow like yeah We gon' blow Yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
0: Come, I'm, out. I'm so pretty I'm on Gucci I'm so pretty I'm gonna so get it It's a celly it. That's a tool On my Kodak Black.
1: They're gonna find you
0: like Funko true inspirations to being a content creator. Um, so yeah, definitely look forward to that. Um, what else? if you haven't noticed, there was a time in this universe where a conspiracy theorist was taboo from the rest of society, from the rest of the world. If you were a conspiracy theorist, you were the oddball. You were the odd man out. You were different. You were not to be taken serious. You were not to be taken... uh, Anything you said was supposed to be a joke, if anything. However, however, we now live in a world where conspiracy theorists are rampant in society, in culture, everywhere you look. There's conspiracy theorists. Why? Because if you're in America, your mainstream propaganda and your politicians are all conspiracy theorists. If you're, if you're paying attention to any of this Trump uh, impeachment stuff, if your name is Adam Schiff, you're a conspiracy theorist. If you're on the right, Republican, conservative, you're a conspiracy theorist. We're all conspiracy theorists today. It is now okay, it is now just fine to be a conspiracy theorist if you're in politics, if you're in the mainstream propaganda. They're all conspiracy theorists now. We, they all have their own spin as to how the world operates how things really run, who's pulling triggers, and why they're doing it. It's okay now to be a conspiracy theorist, so i I've breaking news to you. You can now come out of your conspiracy theorist closet because it is now culturally acceptable to theorize how things conspired. Right? That's what a conspiracy theorist is. Somebody who theorizes, thinks critically, thinks outside the box as to how certain events unfolded. That's a conspiracy theorist. And it is now mainstream propaganda, mainstream politico to do so. So I am hereby encouraging you to be who you are, a true conspiracy theorists, and you can wave that flag proudly because everybody's accepting conspiracy theorists today! Woo! Seriously. That's what our society's come to. (laughs) That's what it's all come to. It's all conspiracies, right? Ah, but we will all conspire and, and theorize how things conspire when it comes to political crap. But the true conspiracy that's going on right now, nobody's going to talk about the mainstream propaganda because it's too close to home. It will hurt too much to talk about. It will hurt our bosses and those in power to bring bring out and broadcast on mainstream propaganda to talk about the true conspiracy that they're un, that they're covering up by covering. This conspiracy on both sides of the aisle with Trump impeachment, blah, 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 blah. And you know what conspiracy I'm rapping about right now. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Jeffrey Epstein. We ain't gonna talk about that on the 5 o'clock mainstream propaganda. No. Why? Because it's too close to home. Because it really happened and they're really covering stuff up, and there are really people in authority within your government and within the authority reins of the mainstream propaganda that are involved in one way or another with that sleaze ball, and so they are sweeping it on the rug and they're saying, Oh, the FBI is gonna investigate the two guards for conspiring for an organized conspiracy two guards in a prison pulled this entire thing off. Don't look any further. We're investigating the guards that make minimum wage. It's all good now. Look the other way. Look, look. They're holding impeachment hearings today again. Look that way, because we got this all under wraps over here. It's the two guards we're investigating. Don't worry about us. We're doing our job. Those who did not do the job 15 years ago or however long ago it was, when we swept it into the carpet the first time, we are now investigating for real this time. So don't even worry about looking any further because we got it covered. Look at Trump. Look at the conspiracy over there because over here there's nothing. Bull crap. I'm mad. I'm mad. Because what's going to happen is what happens with all the serious stuff, it gets swept under the carpet, and as time goes on, the label conspiracy theorist becomes more and more tarnished on those who look into the real problem. So yeah, I made an ugly sweater called, um, what did I even say it was, Uh, uh, Jeffrey Epstein Didn't Kill Himself. Go check it out on the store, on the website. Buy it, because if you don't buy it by December 31st, I'm taking it down. It's a a very limited edition. I just made it because I don't think Jeffrey Epstein killed himself. And you know what? All the investigative reporters that aren't employed by the mainstream propaganda say the same damn thing. All of them. All of them. Anybody that you talk to don't believe it. There are people within our government that are sending out cryptic tweets on Twitter saying that very thing: Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. Nobody believes it. But they want you to believe it. But they can't make you believe it. So they're gonna push this conspiracy to impeach and trump on both sides of the aisle. If you think that one side's better than the other, you're crazy. They're all on the same team. It is a clown party in Washington, D.C., a clown party, and they want to distract you, and if you allow yourself to be distracted by the bull crap that they spin on the mainstream propaganda, you will forget about it, Jeffrey Epstein, and that's what they want you to do. That's what they want you to do. If you think Jeffrey Epstein is the only person involved in this heinous crime of thousands of young girls. They are talking about possibly just one curator, one person that was bringing girls to Epstein, possibly brought up to a thousand girls to him. He didn't just have one, and it wasn't Maxwell. We're talking about possibly thousands of young children sexually molested, sexually sold into sexual slavery for powerful elites. Why do you think that the Crown has hung up their favorite son, Prince Andrew. They hung him up today. He is no longer in in any kind of decision-making of anything. Why? They pulled him back. pull him out of spotlight because he drowned on BBC. He drowned. He drowned during that interview. If you haven't watched the BBC interview that they did with the glorious Prince Andrew, Go watch it. You tell me if he wasn't spinning words left and right. Every single thing he said was prepared by lawyers. And I don't blame the BBC lady who interviewed him because she... Listen, if you ask the wrong questions, you're taken out. If you pay attention to Jeffrey Epstein and what's going on right now, you will beyond a shadow of a doubt see... That there are powerful elites in this world that we have been saying for decades that are pulling the strings. And you and I have no say in the end result. I promise you, all the sleazeballs that have been involved with Jeffrey Epstein will not get caught on the carpet. If you're waiting for somebody, some big name, Prince Andrew, Clinton, Trump, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, any of these actors that were attached to him. All these people, Musk, any of them, if you're waiting for any of them to be pulled out in the carpet, you're missing the boat. It's not going to happen. I did not expect to get that heated. But I drive a truck all day, I look out these stinking windows, I don't talk to anybody during the day, and i educate myself on this stuff all day long i li- i just got done listening to those impeachment hearings all day that's what i did it was live i listened to it all day because i want to be informed on what these hearings are going on what's going on with these hearings i'm heated i'm heated because of this crap that goes on they want you to focus on trump Left and right, so that the main problem, which is the Epstein case, who involves left and right, you're not talking about it. There are bigger things at hand, and don't worry about what's going on over here. Uh, let's see what you guys are saying before I have to roll out of here. Um, was thinking the same thing. Elon Musk. Yeah, Elon Musk. Uh, Elon Musk. Uh, there was Jeffrey Epstein um, donated money to Elon Musk, one of his companies, um, and they, after he was taken out of jail, was seen dining with him, they were doing business together. And that's what I'm saying. Like, all these powerful people who uh, did business with Epstein before he was in jail the first time, jail, if that's what you want to call it, and after, none of them are going to get called out on the carpet for it. I'm telling you, I think Elon Musk is a very smart person, and I'm not saying Elon Musk is guilty of anything. In fact, I highly, I highly doubt he was aware of uh, the depth of what was going on. He, w- everybody was aware of what Epstein was. He, I mean, he went to jail for being a pedophile. He was a registered sex offender. And everybody who associated with him after he got out of jail was aware that they were associating with a registered sex offender. That said, I don't think Elon Musk is out there, you know, involved in sex trade. I hope not. I I don't know. But what I'm saying is, there are many, many people who want this covered up because they don't want to be attached to Epstein. But there are high-ranking people that are way above Epstein that... Uh, probably had more authority and power as to what Epstein was even doing than Epstein himself. And that's not to say Epstein was, you know, just a pawn in a game. He was a facilitator. But there are people above his pay grade that were probably telling him on certain things of what to do. Whoo. Are you nervous about becoming a target after you release your podcast on this? Absolutely not. I'm nobody. Guys, I'm nobody. I'm just a dude with a podcast. It's easy to discredit me. You know what's a good way to draw attention to me? If you kill me. Because now all of you guys, all of you guys that listen to me every week are now going to make me a martyr. They're not going to do anything to me. Nothing. I'm nobody. There are way more popular people That have been speaking out about this and doing their own investigations for far longer than me. I'm going to drop an interview on December 17th talking with a guy about his investigation into this whole thing. He has a lot of of information and he's going to come on and he's going to talk about it. And apparently he's into the paranormal too. I didn't know that when I contacted him. So he might have some paranormal stories for you too to kind of give you that sweet tooth of your paranormal hit every week. You know what I mean? The elite and the suits are experts on covering their asses, absolutely. I'm going to try to run through these real quick for you. That Satanic High Priest episode, whoa, awesome. I am glad you like it. I actually thought about just reaching out to him to pick his brain as to what he thinks about all this, because he's been involved. And that's another thing. That's another thing. There is a very real Satanic element to this entire thing with Epstein, and it goes deep. I'm telling you right now, we'll talk about it on that show, I'm sure. Hopefully we will. Maybe I'll bring it up. I have bits and pieces of information and I rely on people that I bring on the show to help draw a picture. You know what I mean? Because if I had time to research this stuff, I'd be a monster. But I don't. I listen to stuff and I try to retain as much information as possible, but I can't take notes while I'm driving. You know what I mean? All right, let's see what we got here. Shout out uh, from Albuquerque, New Mexico. All right, Albuquerque. Um, There's a Weird Weird Al song about Albuquerque, isn't there? Pretty sure there is savage it's disgusting. I love the term mainstream propaganda. you know what I'm gonna do That's my next t-shirt I'm gonna it's gonna say something like uh, I don't follow and then big words mainstream propaganda the mainstream propaganda oh man I'm gonna make some t-shirts about that. the mainstream propaganda. We don't call it the mainstream news anymore, guys. It's not news. It's propaganda. It's the mainstream propaganda. What's my lunch break looking like? Oh man, I'm over my lunch break. All right, I gotta get rolling. I love you guys. I love you guys. Do you deliver in New York? I do not. I stay in the Philly area. I'm home every day. You need a talk. To- you need a talk show. The Tony Merkel Show on Netflix. <laughs> you know what? Uh, probably not going to happen. I, I, um, I did have an offer to um, throw my hat in the ring for a new uh, TV show coming out. On, I think it's A&E or Travel Channel. It's a UFO show, that and they were looking for a host to interview, um, you know, so, so-called uh, experts in the field and stuff. And I told them I'd be interested, but they wouldn't even bend with me as to, for a phone interview. They, they wanted me to do a phone interview with them, and I told them, well, I work, you know, Monday through Friday, this is my, you know, my start time, can we do an evening, no, they wanted me to do it at like 10 o'clock in the morning, one day during the week or something like that, I'm like, I'm just starting my day, I just punched in, I can't do that, and they, they weren't willing to work with me, so I'm out, you know what I mean, on to the next one, um, Dark Water's going to be on anytime soon, uh, there's no schedule for him to be on, he has an open door though, if he ever wants to come on, um, I don't trust those shows i'm not sure what shows you're talking about but i probably agree with you all right i gotta roll but i ranted um yeah if you're just tuning in i'll i'll uh, make this a will uh, share this video so you guys can tune in once it uploads to to uh, instagram if it does sometimes when i'm on my mobile data it never uploads so uh sucks to be you all right guys i'll talk to you later maybe i'll make some more t-shirts stay tuned and uh hey do yourself a favor um Check the, uh, the the website store from here and there because I'll be I'm I'm gonna start trying to bump up my uh, creative juices when it comes to T-shirts and try to create more apparel for you guys. I uh, may not always say the confessionals on it, may just say something you know clever. Uh, but I'm glad you guys tuned in. Let me rant and didn't look like anybody got too pissed off that. But hey, if you did,
2: truth will set you free. But first, it'll piss you off. Bye.